Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Welcome back, my Couch Potato Ninja Clan to another episode of Punches and Popcorn and we have a back-to-back Jimmy Wang Yu uh, I guess if you're listening to this after Flying Guillotine, it's back-to-back. Uh, Jimmy Wang, you feature tonight. But before we get into the movie first, let me jump into introducing our friends, our punchy pals here. So with me tonight is our genius, Jason Bills. I just hand-glided in and I'm ready. I'm ready to roll. Excited to be back, guys. It is the only way to come in. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Uh, with us also is... The walking weapon, or as he is dubbed for tonight, due to apparently these elite dad skills, the swaddler, Dr. Dominic DeMore. Such a good name. Yes, I am covered in formula-laden vomit and probably some feces somewhere. It's there, yes. This is parenthood. (laughs) I don't recommend it. Starring Steve Martin. Let's do it next. Yes, I think Dom (laughs) could be in a dadsploitation film. Okay. But we are the master of all types of exploitation films. We, of course, have our magic man, the man who was probably the most excited about this movie that I have seen him for a movie that we have covered so far, and rightfully so, because this was a lot of fun. But before we talk about the movie, we have to say hi to our buddy here, our man on the boards, Matt Nats. It is Trenchard Smith night, baby. I am so excited about this. So stoked. You're going to learn all about Ozploitation tonight. One of my favorite exploitation genres. Um, who knew that the Aussies could go like this? I did not. And I am so thankful. Uh, again, I'm your host, Michael Huntone. And I did not know that Aussies could go this hard. And I knew that Aussies could go pretty hard. Um, this is fantastic. So let's get into it. Our movie tonight, in 1975, the awesome powers of Australia and Hong Kong would come together to deliver their first ever film collaboration in director, writer, Brian Trenchard Smith's The Man from Hong Kong. This joint production would bring Golden Harvest's golden boy, Jimmy Wang Yu, to the land down under to face off with Australia's own James Bond, George Lazenby. Jimmy, starring as hero, Hong Kong special branch inspector, Fang Sing Lang would subvert stereotypes, punch, kick, romance, and hang glide his way across landmarks, across enough landmarks to make the Australian tourism board blush, all in pursuit of Lazenby's villainous crime boss Jack Wilton in an explosion of action and stunt spectaculars. Uh, this was my first foray into the world of Ozploitation, and I'm hoping that my buddy here, our partner, the genius can hit us with some gospel of the guillotine to introduce this amazing world to us. 
Who's that, Mike? That's you, the genius. Okay, all right, just making sure. All right. Um, Did I say that? Yeah, go. <laughs> no, you, you sort of, yeah, I just wanted a full, I wouldn't need my name, my credentials. Anyways, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, well, um, you know. So quickly, so um, as as Matt mentioned, exploitation is a thing. It's, you know, Australian exploitation. Uh, I'll just do this. Uh, also, that intro was so polished, man. Well, well done. Um, so my introduction <laughs> to this wasn't movies, like, um, per se. It was, a, well, I guess documentaries or movies, but uh, the documentary, Not Quite Hollywood, The Wild Untold Story of Ausploitation by um mark hartley and he i saw this movie i don't know like probably 15 years ago or something like that um it was right around like the kill bill time because i think that was sort of um and it's interesting because quentin tarantino dedicates kill bill at the end of the credits if you stay that long to bryant trenchard smith uh really so he's, yeah he is a huge fan um and so that sort of piqued my interest, but also this documentary super did because it's it's probably one of the most entertaining like film documentaries ever because it's just because exploitation is just explosions, sex comedies, more explosions, fire burns. This is it's just the nuttiest like, hey, it's the 1970s. There's no rules. You know, we have half a budget. We should let's let's just set people on fire. It, it, it's just wonderful. So I, I think kind of like the king of that is Brian Trenchard Smith. He was a writer director. Um, we're going to be talking about man from Hong Kong tonight. What's what I love about this though, is, you know, he's a big kind of genre masher, or at least his whole thing is like, you know, celebrating a genre while being tongue in cheek and satirizing it. And I, I think it comes off with man from Hong Kong, but he um, started his career doing, uh, documentaries um, about this is random, but stuntmen. Like he did other documentaries too, yes. cut trailers. But I, I just love that he's just like my thing is stuntmen. And as we can see from at least his first three features, is his is literally obsession with stuntmen. Um, but anyways, so he went to Hong Kong to do a documentary, and I don't know if this is like legend or not, but uh, on Bruce Lee, and you know who knows, but he's. On the day he arrived uh, was the day that Bruce Lee died. So his Bruce Lee documentary turned into a Bruce Lee tribute. Um, and through all these interviews he did, you know, for his documentary, he ended up meeting Raymond Chow. Um, and that sort of forged his connection with Golden Harvest, which led to Man from Hong Kong. So, you know, it was like, I guess you sign a deal with Raymond Chow and, and you get Jimmy Wang Yu. You also get uh, Sammo Hung. Um, yes. Yeah. Like, it's just like in, in Sammo did all the you know, action choreography, or at least the fighting for this movie. Right. Um, and what's exciting about that is, I mean, you're, you're also getting Kung Fu, but you're getting the exploitation angle, which is just apparently just men on fire, men fighting great car chases or great foot races. So it's, it's just chaos. So anyways, um, to quickly um, go through Trencher Smith. So he started with this movie um, and it was actually a, a big success, as it should be. It's it's a nuts 1970s movie. It's a great kind of genre mashup of, you know, what exploitation does best, hand gliding, apparently. Um, and also <laughs> just like, it's so random. We just did um, Jimmy Wang Yu with, with our last chat. Um, <laughs> that movie just left my head. It's my favorite. Flying guillotine. Movie. Thank you, sir. Master of the yes. flying guillotine. And oh, all right. of a sudden, Master like, this guillotine. was not intentional. Matt suggested this movie and... Uh, were apparently uh, just like you said, Mike, Jimmy Wang, you double feature. But anyways, I just want to quickly talk about Trencher Smith, sort of his, I don't want to call it peak because the man eventually did um, Leprechaun in Space. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like like he eventually 
re-peaked. But so obviously this movie was first. Um, and then right after this, he did this movie, which was actually pretty interesting, called Death Cheaters. And this is so cool. It's it's a against his stuntman obsession, and it shows in all of his films. It was about two stuntmen who go over undercover in the Philippines um, to do stuntmen-related action while being undercover spies. Then he did Ooh. Stunt Rock, which is another, again, another, I would call Man from Hong Kong, I think a lot of people would call it a, a cult classic. Stunt Rock is absolutely that because it's about um, Grant Page, who is the one of the, um, I think he does most of the stunts in this movie. And I, I think he shows up as the villain who eventually dies in a uh, an aquarium in this movie, or at least yes. it's subdued. Um, he, right. in, in like, just like one of the all-time... Yep like stunt guys, especially in Australia. Um, anyway, so um, Stunt Rock is about Grant Page's sort of career. And um, I don't know if this is bi biographical, but he teaches um, a band like, and again, Trencher Smith, what I love about him, again, I, I quickly spoke about his, you know, his satirical angle. Like you can tell there's a lot of fun being had there while also making an action movie. Um, you know, he also grabs onto trends in this movie. It's, um, I'm talking so much guys, I apologize. But um, no, this is all gold hand gliding in man from hong kong but in the next movie it's about like like 70s metal bands and so this stunt guy teaches this band for their you know stage presentation insane stunts but it's all grant pages like just stunts he's done over the years that are in infused in the movie it, it's just wonderful then he does um kind of like his sort of well i guess uh, let me i'm jumping ahead though so let's let's talk some dates here quickly so man from hong kong 1975 Death Cheaters, 76, which is a critical failure-ish. You know, he had to rebound from that. Stunt Rock did that for him in 78. Then he did Turkey Shoot, which is actually a really fun movie. It's kind of like um, these prisoners are let out of uh, some type of prison, and then, like, rich people try to kill them. I, I For a reason, I love that concept. Most the dangerous, that. like mo most dangerous yes. game? Exactly. Ice, is that Ice-T ice or Mario Van Peebles? I can't remember. It's Mario Van Peebles with uh, Rucker it. Hauer. It's yeah. such a good Surviving movie. the game, right? Yeah. That's yeah, it, yeah. 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 So that's kind of like that really good. But then quickly, um, BMX Bandits, which is sort of like um, like a teen thing, um, but, but with kids on bikes in the 80s in Australia and Nicole Kidman's there and is totally like <laughs> trying to capture that Goonies energy but before Goonies and it, it totally works and then quickly um, the last movie I'm going to mention is The Quest um, with Henry E.T.'s Henry T Henry Thomas's what how do you say E.T.'s Henry Thomas that's better yes yeah. sorry language um, and it's just <laughs> this orphan kid who's like living in rural Australia and this was fun about exploitation too they or exploitation. they would um, recruit like American actors like one of my favorite freaking movies of all time is um is it death games with um stacy keach and uh oh, jamie lee keach. curtis and it's so you know it's road games i'm so sorry guys road i just games, said it was yeah. my favorite movie i don't know the name of it anyways so they, they recruited <laughs> et's henry thomas and he kind of made his like amblin spielberg movie um but all exploitation. So anyways, it sort of petered out in the late mid 80s anyway that's that's it i i've said a lot i apologize you you three have the floor we we know now Wonderful. I learned That's, a lot. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Don't, a, don't apologize. And yeah. No, that was not, that was not, a journey. Not quite Hollywood <laughs> is it, it's the companion piece for this episode. Like totally. if you have not seen it, yes. Check that out. I, I'm not, not gonna say pause this and go watch it, but I mean you could do that or watch it after you're done because you won't you won't be disappointed by it. 
and it goes over everything not just brian trencher smith there's patrick this movie about this guy in a coma who has these cool visions like i mean they go into horror they do razorback i mean every cool aussie movie from the 70s they cover in this documentary but it's also entertaining it's so good it's great wake Wake and fright pops up in there too right yes it does oh god that That movie if you haven't seen that that's brutal it's so rough man yeah i know almost i know almost none of these and i've not seen that so i'm excited to watch well i don't know like if you need kangaroo murder in your life they're gonna lean into that who doesn't obviously i I don't know about excited but that movie will haunt you it really will (laughs) they murder kangaroos Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is like the seventies. There's no rules. Like we're just gonna photograph these drunken maniacs killing kangaroos. (laughs) uh, You know, like documentary style. No rules, all wrong. Correct. Yes. They're not all gems, but that is. It's uh yeah it's it's a goodie. Uh, the movie, not the kangaroo killing. I feel like we don't we we yeah we we exactly yeah we don't murder animals here. Punches and popcorn and lunch at our podcast network do not endorse. uh, No. No, no, no. Kangaroo, no kangaroo murder for sport. Oh no. Maybe oh, for no. maybe for me occasionally. Um I've eaten kangaroo. It's actually it's <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. So I've I've been to Australia. So I went there for springy? research like four so so here's the thing. I went to a, a, when I went to Australia, I stayed with a colleague of mine and I wanted to make tomato sauce with meatballs. And so we went to the supermarket and oh boy, he's like, Why don't you use roux mints? Which is kangaroo chop meat um not good for meatballs because it's very lean it's very lean and a little gamey so those meatballs were a little tough so uh, i learned a lesson they eat a lot of lamb and um, yeah that lamb is a big thing that they eat there so i had a lot of lamb when i was there but yeah anyway Nice. Go on. Nice. That's that's not an interesting story. I just <laughs> well, I, I'm sure there'll be nothing, more opportunities. Honestly, I I didn't hear of any of those movies you guys talked about. I'm not so I'm not the '70s exploitation guy here. So honestly, I, I will I'm be learning. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I I uh, honestly being on this podcast, I'm learning so much about the decade before I was born. You know, <laughs> I mean, in my mind, the only things like. The only the last thing important that happened before I was born was the dinosaur extinction. So honestly, nothing important happened. Yeah, I in honestly, my opinion. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Mad Max, which is part of this cycle as well. Oh so, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Miller, that. So, yes, yeah. yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's but, but dinosaurs they're back. important too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, watch dinosaurs, it. Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this movie. Um, so, Man from Hong Kong. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I, I would I would like to vote for for Dom because Dom started to talk about how he felt about this before we started recording, and I damn near broke my finger hitting the record button to make sure that we got it on. <laughs> so that's true. I don't want to keep Dom bottled up any more than he has been. Have at, big man. Yes, dude. So this movie is the most seventies movie I've ever seen, and I've seen Saturday Night Fever. Okay, so this is so. <laughs> So seven, I love it. I love it. Like the seventies, like the decade of decadence, just summed up in this movie. Like, okay, first of all, I love the fact that it's so to 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 use a more modern term. This movie is so extra. You don't need the hang gliding. <laughs> you don't need people on fire. You don't need. You don't need the amount of police brutality that you get, but you have it, and I love it. What's up with 70s movies and 
these really terrible cops. I felt like this is a Hong Kong version of Dirty Harry in Australia. He's just like it, it, intentionally fuck so. your rules. Fuck your rules. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kill a bunch of people. And you know, the plot, who cares? I mean, the villain has an amazing mustache. Like, first of all, that that's amazing. Like, like when when George Lazavi comes on the screen, my wife was watching it and she goes, Who is this chin? I'm like, a chin is James Bond. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and like the women are just like plot devices, sexy, sexy plot devices that are all six feet tall and weigh 110 pounds and wear bell bottoms. You know, it's just. <laughs> oh, it was great. I, re I really, I really enjoyed this. Like the pacing of this movie is amazing. I find a lot. One of the problems I find with exploitation, fill in the beginning, is pacing tends to suffer. I feel like they're so they think the set pieces are so important, the stunts are important, the action, the sex or the whatever is so important that what happens is the pacing that's built around that can suffer. And I think that happens in a lot of kung fu movies. Is the mm -hmm. fight scenes are great. But then the plot, you're just like, you thought of this like right before filming, didn't you? And I, that was my problem with, um, um, uh, what was it, Fist of Fury? Same. Fist of Fury had some of the best fights, but everything else, I'm like, just wrote the plot on the back of a napkin, dude. What is happening? <laughs> this movie, great stunts, great action, great violence, you know, great stuff. And the pacing was good. I never got bored. I never got impatient. And, and I think that's a testament to the director. I really you, do. I think you nailed think it. This... Dom. Uh, sorry yeah, to go ahead. Yeah, just, I don't really have much else. So go ahead. No, that's good because uh, sort of this director's thing is is he's very focused on pacing. And I, and what you said too about like other you know exploitation films is a lot of times they were just worrying about getting an awesome trailer in there to get a, in the theater. So like oh we we have like three minutes of cool shit and the rest of the movie is like people talking <laughs> like we we can sell this. So you you know you you nailed it on the head there with that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see why Quentin Tarantino likes exploitation movies as much as he does, because that's his kind of movie. He's got a bunch of cool, violent, crazy scenes, and then yeah, you got I it. mean, yep. exactly. the, the biggest difference is that Quentin Tarantino can sometimes write decent dialogue, where most yeah. exploitation movies Thank are you. real, real cardboard. Right. But that's it. They had to fill eighty-seven minutes somehow. Right. You know, they had they had 20 grand their uncle gave them and they figured out they could spend the 20 grand on three really cool kills. And then how do I fill the next 87 minutes so I can run it as a second half of a, a, a double feature at a drive in. Right. Mm -hmm. So yep. like that, that's the the kind of beauty of exploitation is the like jazz, the parts that you don't play. That exploitation movies are how good is the stuff in between the badass stuff you saw in that trailer? <laughs> Exactly um, right. Ooh, nice. Yeah, and to comment on that, I think the perfect example of that is um, when he goes into the building. What uh -huh. he? Okay, okay. Let, let's let, let's start this from the beginning. He climbs up the the downspouts into the dojo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Worst plan ever, by the way. Climbs up the downspouts <laughs> into the dojo, all Spider Man. He gets in there. Fight. And instead of running away when he gets caught, which is what he should have done, he mm -hmm. instead tries to single-handedly fight the entire dojo 
with weapons. Weapons like crazy ass weapons and spears oh, and stuff. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. He barely makes it out alive. And then all of a sudden he jumps in the car with these two very attractive plot devices whose names I don't even know. Not even sure that they had names. Does it matter? Yeah, they are. No, they yeah. no dialogue. They're, no, they're like, is he hurt? Blah, blah, blah. And then they drive away. Mm -hmm. And then he falls in love with one of them while he's healing, which right. is just. Uh, yeah, of course. He falls in love with his <laughs> There's caretaker. a wonderful montage of them falling in love. Yeah, Let's, uh, yeah. Oh, and which clearly a we needed a reason to show boobs later, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's the well, end of the it, dragon thing where you kind of have to have the, the romantic subplot, but you don't really. Yeah, yeah exactly. but that was okay. And so he falls in love with this this nameless plot device of a woman. Then he's driving <laughs> down the street, uh -huh. gets bombed off the road which is great which is so great, great. bombs so off the road yeah. she dies and he is mm -hmm. so distraught that he leaves her there as opposed to taking to her to the hospital goes on a <laughs> killing spree and then we forget all about her like, and that's like right at the end of the movie that's like john yeah. wick in 10 minutes yeah right yeah minus the but, dog but, but I, I guess my point is this. My point is this is clearly this is a plot device. Clearly it's oh, the exploitation. Like this is exploitation in its purest form. But like aside from the fact that if you stop and think about it, it's real dumb. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice. I was like, this is yeah. amazing. I'm like, he is so, I'm like, I don't care. He. I mean, maybe he just is like, maybe he's distraught. Maybe he's not. Okay, go on Mad Max and run these fuckers over. It's great. It's so great. great. So yeah. Yeah, Trenchard Smith does a really good job at, at social satire, but mm -hmm. when it comes to the other stuff, it's just fuck it. We're gonna get to the next thing. Like yeah. the overarching framework, because he does the same thing in Dead End Drive-In, where it's like so there's good. really good social satire in that movie, but it's also some badass chase scenes and so like good. there's some decent fights and there's some hilarious like punk stuff in there. It's old car. It's great. So, and they like, never leave the drive-in, right, Matt? No, as as I remember. Yeah, yeah so they, so they the oh. very last five minutes he leaves the drive-in. No oh, good. Spoiler alert, guys! It's been out for fifty <gasps> years. If you haven't since, seen it yet, <laughs> since we're talking plot of uh, the movie you're talking about tonight, um, so the beginning is is like there's no dialogue. The the opening scene is like six minutes, and then like Samuel Hung's there, and it's just fucking awesome. We swear here, okay? So it's so fine. Good. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. I, I've so, sworn at least twelve times in the last four minutes, so you're good. Right. That's a good. Point. <laughs> So, Why the fuck are you swearing? <laughs> I gotta, it's exploitation. I'm fucking excited. So did you? Did, okay, did, it's exploitation. We have to say cunt at least three times. Well, there's one. Well, yeah, we got we got two to go. But but so when okay, so the, then we get the opening credits, and this is what I'm interested in. I need your yours you all of your opinions. Uh, we get the hand gliding lady. Does she start in Australia? And then Lendon because she lands her hand glider and she goes, where am I? And I'm just like, did you yes. just travel 4,500 miles <laughs> on your hand glider and yes, you're kind of disoriented? We are 100% led to believe that she starts in, in Australia and ends in Hong Kong. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure because she literally lands and goes, where am I? <laughs> I but immediately she googled. She, was, she said she was doing a story about kite flying in Hong Kong. Right. So she flew from home to Hong Kong. Like, Caught one hell of a draft. That's right. right. <laughs> so 
I Googled the, lo- I, I feel like I'm stealing your science segment, Tom. You're clearly going to do this, but the, the oh, longest. Oh yeah, I'm talking about how she's an albatross. Get that, come on, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it was like 450 miles, which is insane. Like the longest hang gliding session, but it's not 4,500 miles. So anyways, um, back to back to this movie. The upper body okay, I, must be needed. I, I want to comment on that because, so the hang glider is great. It lands in the middle of a military base, mm-hmm. and she's like, and then and she lands. Oh. And she's like, "Where am I?" And they're like, "You're in a military base." And she's like, "Can I leave?" And they're like, "No." And which I'm like, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Like, right, if I was right. flying a hang glider and I landed in like Fort Bragg or something, they're not going <laughs> to be like, "All right, see you later, oh, yeah. Mr. Right. Spy." They'll be Here's like, the "No, <laughs> no, no." They'll be like. Just sit. Just, just what? Either you're an idiot or you're a spy. So I'm an idiot, but they don't know that. <laughs> they have to they ask don't... the question. Yeah. And these are being critical. But they probably. But here's the thing: they probably wouldn't have sex with me in order to determine that I'm not a spy. Which is exactly what they did with this one. <laughs> what? Oh, but let's talk about like maybe it's progressive because you have you know Jimmy Wang Yu you know an Asian man having sex with a white one that wasn't happening in the seventies like that's that's pretty subversive and kind of cool, right? Well, they Jimmy also doesn't o- Jimmy Wang Yu doesn't only Jimmy Wang her he Jimmy Wangs someone else well, and yeah, yeah well, he Jimmy Wangs his like way all around Australia. I like what you like, did there that was well, that was something I uh, was listening to the commentary and uh, Trenchard Smith said that like it was intentional that like Asian women are incredibly sexualized throughout western culture and in film and all that it's always like the white guys with the geisha or the you know it's the asian girl is a sex object for the most part in any of these like western or australian i guess films prior so we wanted to show no now it's the the asian guy who's having sex with the white girl and flip that on its head so uh, Which i was is like nice that's pretty see. awesome yeah, yeah, yeah i agree kinda... i agree with you i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. and and uh i feel like in modern cinema they're starting to flip that pretty good but it's nice to see that in a movie that's what almost 50 years 50 old, years old yeah. 1975 yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so i want to rewind a second to that opening scene okay. because i this opening scene bought me into the movie 100%. So let's just for a sec. One, I know that I was excited going into this knowing, okay, well, we know we got Jimmy Wang Yu. This is our guy. Like, you know, we honored him in our year-end episode. We talked about him with Man from Hong Kong about how he, you know, was kind of the guy before Bruce Lee. And then Golden Harvest tried to make him the guy after Bruce Lee. Uh, You know, Jimmy Wang Yu, legend, right? So we're going to get this. And immediately, like the first, literally the first thing we see on screen is Ayers Rock, which for someone like me who has never been to Australia, everything I know about Australia pretty much comes down, comes from either Crocodile Dundee, Dom stories about going on digs there, or Bluey. So I could right away see Ayers Rock (laughs) and be like, oh yeah, there's Ayers Rock. Whoa, cool. I'm in Australia. And then we see Sammo Hung almost immediately, who's only yeah. 22 at this time. Like he looks which, young. Yeah. And yeah. so we see that. You know, they start they start chasing and fighting up Ayers Rock. Meanwhile, there's a car and helicopter chase happening. And I'm like, we're just flashing back and forth between this fight up Ayers Rock, which I like Sammo runs away. And I, I don't know like what's the 
I'm going to run to the top of this rock to escape. Yeah, I don't I, know what his plan I, was. I, I don't know what his, but it doesn't matter, right? We're like, no, of course he's going to do this because we want to see a fight on Air's Rock. Meanwhile, there's the helicopter car chase that's exciting. You know, we get that great stunt stunt driving. We get the rollover with the explosion, which fun. I was yeah. listening to the commentary and they said that like Tetrid Smith, because as uh, Matt, uh, Jason mentioned, this is his first film uh, or his first feature. They said that like when that blew up, you see like the the door of the car come really close to the camera. Oh, yeah, exactly. And Tetrid Smith said, he's like, yeah, that came like two feet away from us. And like, no one told us that you're supposed to like, chain parts of the vehicle together when you blow it up so that things don't fall apart he's like so you know thankfully nobody died and we learned from that for future movies but uh like they almost died we have this spectacular <laughs> and then we get right and then we get hang gliding like how i mean how could you not be bought into this from all that immediately i was just like oh my god this is this is insane this is okay. the magic of trenchard smith this is what i'm telling you <clears throat> did you expect to see that helicopter car chase in the first 10 minutes of this movie. No. Also, does anybody shoot a car chase better than Trenchard Smith? No. So good. In 1970, this is his first goddamn feature, and that's how he shot that. <laughs> Two things. Two things. One, I wasn't there for digs. I was there to catch monitor lizards and other herps thank you for clarifying oh, herps are reptiles right. and amphibians yes thank you. And like, two, you are the doctor and two sammo hung's plan was to run to the top of Ayers rock where the giant eagles from the rescuers down under were going to pick oh, him yes. up and oh. fly away with him return to the king style no, that's no. what was going to correction happen. that is my other knowledge of australia was that movie which is still is still fantastic. If you got Disney Plus, you can watch it and it totally holds up. It's fantastic. A plan, Wait. definitely. Not maybe the best plan, but at least he had a plan. Mm-hmm. Dom, <laughs> did you say what are you catching? What did you catch in Australia? Okay. So um prescription I was doing... <laughs> Yeah, I heard herbs. Herbs. I heard herbs. So so <laughs> are we really doing this? Of All course right. we are. Herpetology. So so the disease herpes, um, it's the rash spreads. Herp means to creep. That's how herpes uh, got its name. Gotcha. The disease would creep across you. Creep and creep. Reptiles and amphibians tend to creep on the underbrush. That's how they got their name. So I believe the Greek root <laughs> is the same. And <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Creeps in the underbrush. I'm so glad I no, isolate no, that. No, isolate yeah. that. So, <laughs> so very early in my career, I, I was I was very lucky to work with several several researchers and go to uh, the northern part of Western Australia, which you call the Kimberley, and we were looking at how the cane toad, which is an invasive species, influences the other reptiles and amphibians there, which is you know in. They're pretty devastating. So, like, we caught monitor lizards. We surveyed crocodiles and stuff like that. So, it was it was a very good. It, it was very good. I it was earlier in my career. I don't think I did a great job, but I learned a lot and I worked with some great people. So, <laughs> and it was Australia. It was a really cool place. Yes. Dom, so, yeah. are monitor lizards nosy? Like, are they all in your business? Like, they monitor you. I hate you. I hate <laughs> you. Okay, you know what? The Komodo dragon is a monitor lizard. Why don't you ask one? Okay. <laughs> no. 
Uh, Dom, after my recent vacation to Mexico, I am now a huge lizard fan because there was a million black iguanas there and uh tinosaura yeah tinosaura yeah. was the and uh they were super cool and i we'll like spent my entire house. vacation just checking them out so now they're like my favorite thing and i want one cool but i'm i'm all <laughs> more more i like that we just got a little bonus science segment here and I it's not too. even science segment time okay oh, all i have to say is this I own a lizard, and it's also one of the most popular pets. It's called the Bearded Dragon. Oh, I yeah. think we should make a martial arts movie where Michael Huntone is the fighter, and we'll call him the Bearded Dragon. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. All right. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, Kickstarter will be coming out when this episode drops. We'll put the Kickstarter in the in the notes. So I okay. think I don't be, know. Like, Universal <laughs> Studios interested. We not, to, not, not to be the buzzkill here, but we're talking about fucking lizards, and this is a Brian Trenchard Smith fucking movie. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah, right. All right, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Right, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Listen, this is, our first, this is our first foray in Punches and Popcorn into the land down under. So it's just so... And, he has Will done it be such the only one? Job. You know, this is it, the it, only it, it, kung fu that I know of. There's got to be more. Unless There's we run be. out of movies from Hong Kong, which might not ever happen. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> There's got to be more. We'll find more. We will. Trenchard Smith's got a, He's got something in there. Well, dead end driving. There's some fighting in there. There is. Yes. Yeah, yes. fighting counts. Uh, oh. Okay, okay, we all have beards. We can all be the bearded dragons. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. if Nick Frost can look like he kicks a ton of ass in the Badlands, <laughs> we can do this. Because he does. Have you seen the Badlands? He's uh, crazy. One. He mm -hmm. looks like Nick Frost looks like the baddest mofo ever in that show, and I don't believe he has any martial arts training. So if he can do it, he has a beard, by the way, in that. We can all do it. That's it. That's my pitch. The bearded I, I've, dragons. I've seen him in person, and he and I are built exactly the same. So I guarantee he has no martial arts. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, someone that does have martial arts experience. So I was surprised to learn that again. Our villain in this, George Lazenby, which was super exciting. His name in this because he is a James Bond, the only James Bond that was in just one film. Um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I believe, do, right? Do we all know um, why why he bailed? No, I don't. Do you know? I do. Tell the Jay, story, Jay. What's no, the no. story? And then I'll I'll I'll, no, I'll... Matt. You you go. Okay. Ahead. So I don't know if this is apocryphal or not. This may be urban legend, but they asked him to come back, and he said no for a couple different reasons. One, he didn't want to get typecast, and two, because he just wanted to get high and hang out on the beaches in Australia because now he's James Bond and he can do it. So fuck it. <laughs> um that's just your story that's that's basically why why he stopped being james bond is that what why do i have to bother really it was he got really into the counterculture and decided he wanted to be a hippie more than he wanted to be james bond and so you he, can tell that with whoa. this movie with his his haircut there's yeah, a really so, good documentary called becoming bond and it's literally just about him bailing on bond after one and really it, it, it's terrific mm -hmm. i think it still might be on hulu that's where i saw it anyways and then i, I think at some point, what was I listening to? Was it Jim Jeffries talking about it? Because oh. George Lazenby played his father in some TV show at some oh, point. Okay. And he, he was like, every time Lazenby was on set, he was just telling him the story about how many of the Bond girls he got with, either yeah. in yeah. the interim or whatever. He kind of made it his life's mission just to get with all the Bond girls. He's probably very successful. So legit. That was the Jim Jeffries show. On ah, FX. Okay. Yeah. That was a good show. So Lazenby, <laughs> now I will say, 
I love his Bond movie. I think it's great. It's great. It's, it's solid, one of my yeah. favorite ones. Mm-hmm. I'm sad we didn't get more, but we got this instead, so it's fine. <laughs> and it's kind of yep. interesting that they use James Bond as the Bond villain in this movie. Yeah. He totally oh, is. Oh, he's such a Bond villain. He's got this. a secret lair. He's got his weapons. Oh. Yeah. Oh, his lair is the most 70s place I've ever seen. With the sunken <laughs> floors, the like beige, other kind of beige, brown, orange, other kind of orange. I think That's it was just an avocado, yeah. Yeah, like like the 70s, I feel like I feel like a colorblind mammal like came up with the color scheme. It's like brown, brown, orange, brown, yellow, brown. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. It all just looked like after Thanksgiving barf. Is, is pretty much the <laughs> um, oh my god there's so many like the, one of my favorite fight scenes is the fight scene at the reception out on the water there oh yes yes where it's just jimmy wang Yu going through every australian stuntman i think it was mm-hmm. tossing them through tables and air oh god it was so good He's a terrible cop. Can we can we oh, just throw I feel like in the 70s, terrible cops, like where is the black chief yelling at him? That's all I need. It's like, you're out of control. You're out of control. One more time. I have to talk to the mayor about you. It was racist porn stash guy. Right. Oh yes. Um <laughs> yeah, he uh he was the one like, you know, if you kill all the witnesses, we don't have a case. Which is valid. Which has to do with the crazy oh. hair that plays with the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. Blowfell? So this is quickly. Uh, so that actor's name is. This is totally an aside and almost like a, just like a. Oh, by the way. But anyways, uh, Hugh Keys. Yes. Burn in, oh, I where you so know him from is. Him yeah, because he's in two of the Mad Max films. The, he was yep. Toe Cutter in the original and also a Morton Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Which I totally see as soon as, like, I'm like, who? How do I know this? Oh face? my yes. God. Yeah. Yes. It's him. And it's so wonderful. Just right. You want to know something? That's a more that, as- that, ins- that aside is not an aside. And it definitely is not mediocre. But there's a lot of connections to Mad Max <laughs> here because, again, like you have Hugh Keen's Bine or Keys Bine, who is Toe Cutter in Mad Max. That's mm-hmm. friggin' fantastic. Um, but at Grant Page, right, that we talked about the yes. stuntman stunt. He was the the assassin of uh, Samuel Hung's character that would then gets chased and dies in the aquarium or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the stunt coordinator for Mad Max. Um, and the other, there was a couple stunt coordinators for this. The other one uh, was a Peter Armstrong. I believe he was on Mad Max too. Um, Oh, there's probably a Jay. Do you know offhand? I know there's a few connections, a number of connections with Mad Max well, in this movie because it, it was like you know they had their actors and their stunt people that were in all of these movies. So you know you get this guy popping up here, and and they would get like speaking parts. Like even you know Brian Trencher Smith is in the movie. He he's fights um, Jimmy Wang Yu on top of the um, elevator, which is kind of like a kind of cool scene. And, and just oh, more that's pra- him. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. him. And more praise for him. Like, you know, I don't ever see Steven Spielberg doing this, but when he'd promote movies, Brian Turner Schmidt, he he did three Fireburns where he'd set himself on fire to promote oh. this movie. Like three different events he attended where he's like, okay, set me on fire. I got to promote this movie. It's the 70s. So, I mean, just, I mean, I, I love this guy so much. This guy, this, this guy, I'm telling you that this is 
when I mean, people talk about Scorsese, they talk about Spielberg, they talk about Tarantino. This guy, I'm telling you, like without him, you wouldn't have Mad Max. I put money on it. Look at the way he shoots a car chase. Right. Yep. Look at Mad Max a couple years later. Look look at Fury Road. If you don't see the DNA of the car chases in Fury Road, man, like everything comes from Brian Trenchard Smith. Also, I saw you guys laughing at Leprechaun 4. Legitimately. Great movie. It's solid. Oh, it is. It is yeah. solid. Very solid. There's some cool stuff going on in the space things. He also did three, by the way. That's two right. Two leprechauns. He did two leprechauns. That's right. Um, Which what, what was the other one? He did three? three. Three and four. I don't know what the subtitle of three is, though. I think it was just Leprechaun 3, if I remember right. Yeah, they didn't get creative at that point. They just. Oh, Lepre- that Lepre- was Leprechaun in Detroit. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen that. That was the it other. Be it. Another Mad Max connection Lepre- is that. Leprechaun in like, Vegas is that one. The uh, the other cop, uh, the Australian cop, uh, Inspector Taylor, mm-hmm. who I think, right, he's the one that has the fight with Jimmy Wang Newton. He's like the, the main Australian cop. He was uh, Fifi in Mad Max. Yep. Oh, my God. I love that guy. And part so of it is a, a function that there's only so many stuntmen in Australia, but exactly right. right. And they were actors too, because it was just such a limited field. <laughs> there's yep. only like 50 actors and stuntmen in, in the <laughs> country. So, so question, this is typically the thing I look up, but I'm kind of tired. I know Jimmy Wang, you did karate for a little bit. The rest of his martial arts qualifications seem to be very Tai Chi based, which he shows off when he's training. I believe it's at the farm. Mm-hmm. or at the top of the hill i cannot remember but like what uh, is he how accomplished a martial artist was he he is so most of the stuff now this comes from the research that i did when we were talking about flying guillotine and really not a ton in that he was more of a system of the hong kong uh like stunt acting so he he more like they even with flying guillotine it, like his he it was more like dance than fight like he didn't have uh, I think a lot of training in like kung fu schools like some of the uh, like uh, Gordon Liu or Lolier had uh, you know he was more a a product of the studios so I a lot of it up. is more yeah well I bring this up because sometimes the fights looked legit. Then other times they looked like Kirk versus Gorn from the 60s <laughs> Star Trek. Like, you know, the double fist punch and like, so some of the fighting looked real good. And then other times it looked real awesomely bad. Like, <laughs> like the, the fight in where he beats the crap out of Samuel Hung in the bathroom. Like half the time I'm like, uh oh whoa what is come on like i feel like a lot awesome. of that was was samo as the i mean at that point like samo hadn't this was maybe uh fact check me i may be wrong on this but it might be one of his first movies as a oh, stunt coordinator yeah. he's just yeah. a baby so i mean he was you know we had talked about with so the jackie chan stuff that he had come out of the the peking opera academy along with jackie chan and like I don't even think when this movie came out, he might have not been known as Samo yet. Um, I because right, like this is really early in his career, so I feel like a lot of that was uh, like that that fight, which is incredibly entertaining, 
with Samo as a stunt performer showing, look at this crap I can put up with. Like, throw yeah. my head in the, like, swirly me. And, you know, I can sell this. And I feel like that's the thing with, like, Jimmy Wang Yu. It's, he's a, a fantastic star, but he's a star. He's a star in these movies because of how charismatic he is. That he is the the actor, the like he's that kind of old school leading man where someone and where I think where he suffered against like a Bruce Lee or even like Gordon Liu is like these are guys that are legitimate strong martial artists and it could know, just his... be too like um sorry to interrupt Mike but um, yeah no go you know it's a first you know this is Brian Trenchers his first first film and you know he just didn't have the staging down whereas you know the hong right. kong films like they know where to put the camera to hide this punch right. to do this so and in like i listened to the um, director's commentary too and it was full filled with that like oh, i should have had the camera here or i should have done this so right. i think it's just sort of like um you know you know there just should have been better choices but again for a first film it, it's a it's a hell of a ride. oh yeah and then, right well in the commentary will be like oh look at this zoom is terrible I'm yeah like, it looks pretty damn good to me dude so yeah. yeah i didn't want to make this criticism sound you know yeah 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 too bad but like i mean come on we started our first I, I movie was too, enter, though, the, enter the dragon and i felt like this was a bit more kirk spocky which is yes. which is kind of goes with the feel of the movie because I didn't get a feeling of severity, but let's face it, it a lot of blood, a lot of death, yes. love interest dies, etc., yes. etc. Et but at no point was I like, oh no, is he gonna win? Like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, come on. Like, it's it, in, in a, the pacing, like I said, the pacing was really good, the feel of the movie was, was light, which, which, which mm -hmm. is good. Like, I mean, it was, it was hammy, it was supposed to be hammy, it was. I respect a movie that sets out to do something and does it. And this movie uh -huh. set out to do something and it did it a hundred percent. It didn't do Enter the Dragon. It didn't do Fist of Fury. It didn't do Dirty Ho. It did Man from Hong Kong. Like I feel like I've never seen a movie like this. Right. To be perfectly honest. You know what? It, you know what did a lot of? Oh, go ahead, Matt. For me, I think it. it it's kind of when you think of an action movie versus a, a Kung Fu movie, I think yeah. this is kind of the archetypical action movie. Like this yeah. movie got, I talk a lot about stone cold, the, the Brian Boswell. Oh, yes. right? And oh I feel God, like yes. there's, there's a certain yeah. amount of connective tissue between that movie and this movie too, yes. because that movie is completely senseless. It is set up just to be <laughs> like it, it is oh my god 98 minutes movie. of testosterone it's great <laughs> yes. like there's right. there's nothing start to finish there's barely any story it's just <laughs> dudes being dudes and kicking ass for an hour and 45 minutes star in the boss the boss lance, and lance henrickson shows up too. Uh, it's yeah. it's fucking great if you haven't seen it watch that too like you have to. all it's, kinds of homework oh my god yes. a good double yeah. feature absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I, it's two sides of the same coin, Dom. Right. There's there's it's not a kung fu movie as much as it is just a straight up action movie. And that's what, what Trenchard Smith kind of does versus a Golden Harvest or a, a a a Shaw Brothers movie, right? Where it's you get the hang gliding, you get the car chases, you get the big explosions, you get you know, it's it's basically like a low budget Michael Bay. Yeah. I agree right. with that hundred percent. Right. And I think, and, it, and it's interesting hanging out with you guys. Now I'm being exposed to more seventies cinema 
Whereas before, I was exposed to mostly 80s cinema, where I feel the action movie had really matured oh, yeah. into, it, honestly, mm -hmm. into right. perfection. Things out, I feel like right. the action movie yeah. has, there's okay. no such thing as an action movie anymore. Nowadays, okay. everything's an epic. Everything is like, throw the kitchen sink, third act is all CGI mayhem. Like, I feel like back in the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, they had, let's get the biggest guns, the most cars, the biggest muscles, the most blood, and let's fucking do it, right? But watching this movie really shows me, like, okay, this is how they pieced it together before the archetype really existed, before, you know... You know, before a team, even before all that stuff, and and, and so I have a lot. Mm -hmm. I've gained a respect for this movie. Well, I never saw it before. This is the first time watching it. So, like, I respect this movie a lot because I see, like you said, the DNA that eventually led to the mature '80s action movie or '80s style. Yeah, man, you're seeing the as a scientist, Dom. Like, you're the primordial. Yes, yeah. you're just seeing things bubbling here. You know, in, in a weird creek somewhere <laughs> <laughs> an action movie creek I, I got nothing to follow that up with that was amazing <laughs> the, the, Thank the, you. Origin of the action movie species right that's yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly uh, I think it's kind of interesting too it, the same year so while this is period of films in, in Australia in the 70s was the, called the Australian New Wave and there was super classy movies going on too uh, one being like Walkabout Nicholas Rogue it's like a you know big important classy like you know film snobby movie um, oh, but yes. the, another movie of that era was Picnic at Hanging Rock which is a Peter Weir film which he ended up having a Hollywood career too uh, but he Picnic and Hanging Rock is such a classy, important movie. Made the same year as this movie, and it has the same cinematographer, Russell Boyd, who went to also have a career in in uh, you know American cinema. But it's just kind of interesting, like this. I don't want to say ridiculous, but like exploitation, over the top mayhem. Also, Russell Boyd was in the same year, probably the year prior, but um, filming like one of the classiest, snootiest movies, Picnic at Hanging Rock, like just art house cinema. And so that's why I love Australia at this time because like. Like you guys were saying, like there's like 50 people that are making movies. I'm assuming more, but the, so you get this weird, you know, gang of people just making either super classy, snooty movies or just you know setting guys on fire. It literally, and that's what's <laughs> cool too. I, I know you mentioned Michael Bay, Matt, but like this is like like there's no CGI here, so they're setting people on fire. And it is, I I'm kind of, and this is weird because it's like safety's great but when i see cgi fire now i just get i turn off yeah. the movie whereas this is just like george lazenby was set on fire james bond was set on fire he really burned his hand and brian treacher smith to this day feels terrible about it like it's it's just like oh my god this is, and that's why it's great dom like you said like this is before they figured it out so you're and this is like when I was becoming a movie fan, I'd love seeing a director's first film because it's just like this raw DNA and just it's great. I'll stop talking. No, don't. I got I got beef with CGI fire. Like they I never like like, like, like just, I got to go the full burn. Thank oh you. my god. Anyway, no, but seriously, have you ever seen convincing CGI fire? Ever? No. I no, have not. Of course not. I have not. What was it? The Expendables? Like half the movie has CGI fire, and I'm like, Ugh. this is my this is I my don't... argument about the Expendables. Had they made that the way they should have made that, had they got a Brian Trenchard Smith to make it, oh, okay. think about what that movie could have been instead of 
really like it's it's the kid rock of action movies like it's just it's so weird because oh. I, I honestly had hope oh i like that i had hope for cgi Can fire end now because that's, that's <laughs> incredible now. we should cut it oh. now yeah no when south park bigger longer and uncut came out i was like cgi fire looks amazing this is great it, that was you know south park um and then it's never worked out then. So I, I was very excited about CGI fire back then when they send, uh, I think it's a, uh, who goes to hell? Kenny, it, um, Kenny right? Kenny goes to hell. And I was like, Oh my God, fire is so great with CGI. It, just <laughs> it, it looks sure good. With CGI, they might've like just ma- filmed the fire and superimposed it. Also true. <laughs> yeah. But, because yeah, I have yet to see a movie that has good CGI fire. Like, Oh, and the expendables. Exactly. I agree with you a hundred percent, Matt. I watched that movie and I'm like, what exactly happened here? Like, I really like it's so half assed for the record. Uh, it was, it was better. It could be Van Damme's villainy. Expendables 2 mean, is, is better, okay. but the first one, like, he barely it's used right. Steve Austin, which is a crime. I feel like Steve oh. Austin should have had a better film career. Number one, I agree. Yeah, um, he has a presence. Yeah, they just but Terry Crews. You really like we never saw Terry Crews in an action role, and I'm like. This guy's the scariest mofo out of all of them. And yeah. at the time, I never even heard of him. I was like, oh, my God, who is this maniac? Like, Don't we get a new Expendables soon? I think oh, we all need to cover the Expendables no, together. No. All, all four of them. Oh, jeez. No. Let's do it. No. Forget John Wick. Let's do Expendables. Come on, boys. So here's the thing about the Expendables. Oh, <laughs> so if we're going to watch exploitation movies, exploitation <laughs> movies have a certain degree of grassroots humbleness that I appreciate. And I've appreciated it more and more and more getting to know you guys. The Expendables is the most arrogant series that could possibly, <laughs> like, oh, it's just like Stallone being like, hey, I came from the best time of movies. Let's put all my pals together and not really think. <laughs> it really was. Adrian! Like, yeah, no. Sorry. Planet you- Hollywood the movie. Fuck that. <laughs> uh can we just for a moment uh i because i want to come back to man from hong kong and i need to just mention, <laughs> you want to talk about i just that? need to totally mention that the theme song out. this sky high that no. i yes. actually thought it was paul mccartney like it sounds i mean it clearly was it does sound very it wings be, uh, right. like a, 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 wings a movie yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they paid like what an extra, I think, fifty thousand to be able to get that movie in, or that song in the yeah, film. Yeah, like ten percent of the budget right. was to get that song. It kills though. It's a great song. It is. And, oh yeah, it's great. It, yeah, it opens. And again, the movie. it's the the building block for stunt rock because stunt rock. What is it? Two years later, three years later, that yeah, basically that that whole hang gliding to that song is the genesis of stunt rock. If you go and watch stunt yes. rock, mm. it's that. Oh, I it's have so to good. watch it. I stand, about, by, yes, you do. I stand by the fact that Stunt Rock is the greatest trailer ever made. And maybe like a, a, it's a pretty <laughs> mid movie, but the trailer is fucking brilliant. I had never yeah. heard of it until Anomaly covered Leprechaun in Space. And I think it was you and Meg were Meg talking and I about geek it. out about that one. It's on Tubi. <laughs> so I have watched Stunt Rock because I found it on Tubi. I think I've watched it about five times since I found it on Tubi. Uh, oh, Tubi is a great. Service. It is a great folding laundry movie. <laughs> oh yes See, those are the best those are the you don't best. have to pay any attention to solid. it it's just yeah. prog rock and dudes jumping off shit so oh like, man how uh, do you go wrong? Is... all right well go watch once you're done with this episode 
first go what's the documentary they need to watch not quite hollywood. not, quite, not hollywood. quite hollywood watch that and then when you're done your cherry on top is stunt rock stunt rock dead end driving i think is out there on 2b2 oh, yeah. what's the other uh bmx bandits That's bmx the... bandits you the gotta title watch alone that. tells me i have to watch that movie as an 80s kid, it's mandatory. I mean, I don't know. First movie, I'm pretty sure, right? I don't know what is more 80s yeah. than BMX. That's, yeah, it, it is quintessentially 80s. And it's shot just like this, where it's all like very kinetic. It moves forward at a at pace. You don't get bored. Right. Well, and Nicole Kidman just is. Nicole just, Kidman's in it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. She's all right. An well, this she is. She's up. like, it's her first movie. She's like 17 I, or 18. It's the first thing she ever did. And you're like, oh no, that kid's a movie star. Like, you get. It's oh, okay. Exactly. Tell me, did Hugh Jackman ever do a Brian Trenchard Smith movie? <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think there was oh, crossover it. there. Damn Wolverine it. in space. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm down. We're building. <laughs> Tom, I swear to God, you got to go watch Leprechaun 4 in space. And if you don't enjoy it, I will give you $5. Okay, that sounds good. I mean, I kind of, kind of enjoyed Jason X in space, so I feel like Leprechaun in space is far superior. I just based on what you're saying. Yeah, Jason X is good only because David Cronenberg is the doctor. That's the best part of that movie. He is. Oh wow. Yeah, but Leprechaun in four, Leprechaun in space, Leprechaun four is the best in space movie. Also, Night, Night of the Demons <laughs> 2, which is super fun. Oh, yes. Uh, Not Alien oh, yeah. right. or Event Horizon. No, it's Leprechaun 4. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm <laughs> saying of the in space, when they do the... The, right. the when a franchise goes to space. When, when a franchise goes to space. Yeah. And I'm going to put it out there. The, the Fast 11 in space, Leprechaun 4 in space will still be better than Fast 11 in space. Yeah, well, they kind of in Fast 9 went to space a little bit, so... They got that out. They broke the order. They, yeah, they need a they need a fast fast the musical. That's that's where my wife. Did we talk about right. Man from Hong Kong at all today? Okay, yeah, we did. We did. But this is we talked about we Man did? from Hong Kong. We talked about Brian Trenchard Smith, Osploitation. We have covered a lot. Uh, this is I, what I love about this movie is that you start talking about it and then you just get so excited about just the genre of action movies and how yes. fucking badass they are. And it's all because this dude in the early seventies made a movie that is basically, again, it, it may as well be steroids. It may as well be, you know, just, <laughs> you're, you're on a cycle for 104 minutes. It's just dudes bursting into flame, kicking the shit out of each other, stuff exploding, like weird, I just, weird love scenes that mean nothing to anybody like and lots it, of tongue like the, yeah. the one the An first, first love scene like wow that is a i'm like wow that's a lot of tongue like i feel like you don't even see that amount of tongue. it like, was the 70s yeah i feel like i feel like there was some heavy like, tongue no rules just right up there there. Yeah, <laughs> man, things were gooier in the 70s like i, I don't know like i just yeah. if you have not seen this movie i find it it's i don't know i don't know if it's streaming somewhere i would bet you could find like a youtube rip uh or if you know me i will let you borrow my dvd of it it's fantastic i found it on um, amazon you can rent it for four dollars yeah and i will it's guarantee just, it's the best four dollars you will spend renting a movie on amazon again just know within the first like what five minutes of the movie you are going to see Sam hung fight fifi with hair from mad max on Ayers rock while a helicopter and car 
car chase happens, and then you're going to flash immediately to hang gliding over Hong Kong. If that doesn't get you, you know going Samos, right away, yeah. then just... I do... Yeah, I'm sorry. Unsubscribe. If, if that doesn't get you in yeah, the first five minutes, no. unsubscribe from the show. Samo we are not the same. <laughs> makes him, he makes a meal out of that. He does. Like, he... I, you know, because he's a, I, why I love him. He's a heavier yeah. guy, and he he just like glides up the hill. And I'm like, that's when you know he's special. Like he's 22. He's uh, you know, he might be a little overweight, uh, and I can I can relate to that. But he just makes a meal he out moves. of that giant Big rock. Man can right. move. Well, that was the thing. I yeah. think I mentioned this. Maybe I can't remember a lot of the drunken master episode because I practiced tried drunken podcast. Well, what is our really drunken hard? episode this year? Yeah, well, maybe drunken master too. But uh. But Samo was in the Peking Opera Academy and got, I forgot doing a performance, got injured and like was basically out a year rehabbing. But he, because the this school was so strict and so hard on them, like because he had all this time where he like, I think he like blew out his knee or something. So he just, he Ooh, was restrained from doing that. He's like, oh, I also like eating. And he came back and he was chubby and like they their master was kind of getting on him about it. And he's like, you know what? I can still do all the same things, but I also can enjoy eating. So I don't need to do this anymore. And he, you know, and then he became Samo. And I just like, this is so badass that good yes. for him. It's again, just an extra treat. I came into this movie just for to see Jimmy Wang Yu and James Bond. And then I got Samo hung in five, you know, 30 seconds into this movie. I'm like, holy crap. So. It's check can it I, out. This is a treat. Can I bring up one last thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I know the part. I know the cars in the seventies were unsafe, but every car blows up. Like you know that joke. <laughs> it's become a joke. No, it's become a joke. Like where yeah. a car like hits a tree and <laughs> explodes, and like it's <laughs> right. kind of cheesy now. I feel like this movie yeah. invented that because there's so many times <laughs> that the car like falls over and then goes boom, boom and i'm like what the hell did they make this car out of like car like there's so many times i'm like okay the car wouldn't explode then okay the car wouldn't explode then but i didn't care because it was awesome but am i the only person that noticed that because the explosions oh my god what about like the car that like uh eventually he runs jimmy wang you runs into it and it like just falls in half like i was just like this is this is great <laughs> like cars don't do this it's so good oh yeah Love it's it. uh, the stunts in it are fantastic like the fights are yeah. fun they're great but again the the car chases there's numerous car chases uh the stunts are fantastic and you can tell again people like grant page and peter armstrong that are just uh you know even at the time were ogs well known in the stunt community not mm -hmm. just the australian stunt community but overall uh Again, they show their they show their skills, and I think uh, I can't remember if this was Matt or Jason had brought this up. Like prior to this, Brian Trenchard Smith had uh, did the was the documentary about stunt people. Like he was, and I know he talks about this in the commentary that like he loves stunt performers, he loves stunt work, and part of the reason he made mm -hmm. this movie was to show off, uh, you know, how awesome stunts are and how awesome stunt people are. And it works, right? Uh, we definitely see that. Like to me, if you don't watch this and uh, like the fights are cool, the stunts are freaking awesome. It's yeah, yeah. what a treat! What a treat! Uh, any other final thoughts, guys? Before we get a little bit of science in, I have one last question before we get to science, and it's this: 
how stoked are you guys to watch more Brian Trenchard Smith movies? So stoked. I'm ready. Let's so stoked. Check them all out. There's not a bad one in the bunch. <laughs> thank I have... you for thank you for humoring me through this this journey through Ozploitation and Brian Trenchard Smith. I know I've been harping on it for the entire time we've been doing the show together. And uh yeah, I, I'm I'm glad it delivered. I am so thankful you brought this into my life because this was incredible and I can't not wait to watch more of this stuff. Can't not wait. I don't, yeah, it's, not it's that time. I think that means, yeah. My brain broke. I can't do science like that. Science. Jeez, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. You're just Thank like, you, shut Matt. up and get going with that. All right, That's cool. I was giving you an out, man. I was giving you an out. <laughs> okay. Now, so let's talk science. I'm going to open a beer. Yeah, please. Anyway, so mm. let's uh, let's talk science. So I decided my science segment within five minutes of this movie, because we're going to talk about Ayers Rock. But we're not. Yes. But the Mike's really happy. I have not been to Ayers Rock. Um, there's plenty of cool rock formations in Australia. My favorite was the Bungle Bungles, which I believe is, um, was it in Western Australia? I can't, it's right on the boundary, but anyway, Bungle Bungles was awesome. But anyway, let's talk about Ayers Rock. So Ayers Rock, I'm not going to refer to as Ayers Rock. I'm going to refer to it by the proper indigenous name, Uluru, right? When this movie came out, though, they called it Ayers Rock, and then they named it Uluru Ayers Rock, which is the indigenous name. And I believe everyone who talked about it when I was in Australia called it Uluru. So I'm going to call it Uluru. So where is it? Like, it's literally dead center of the continent. So Australia is an interesting place because most people live on the coast, like the, out, as we call it, the outback or the countryside in the center of the country is very much desert. So not a lot of people live in the center. Most people live on the coast, but Uluru is smack dead center. So it's in like the most Southern part of the Northern Northern territory. And you can totally see it's right in the middle. Um, and first people we believe to have gone there, went there 10,000 years ago. That would be the indigenous Australian people, um, which by the way, is nothing because we believe that the first humans to enter Australia got there between 50 and 65,000 years ago. The indigenous or Aboriginal Australians, that is one of the oldest civilizations on earth. It's especially oldest civilizations out of, out of Africa. Very impressive. All right. So what happened is after the Europeans got there, they named it Ayers Rock after the eighth premier of South Australia. I believe this was like 1870s. Um, after cars became a thing, tourism to Ayers Rock, Uluru became really big in the 30s. And then it became even bigger and bigger. And then the indigenous people um, actually got the land back. And now it's under indigenous ownership, which is nice. I'm not going to talk about any more social things. I want to talk about geology. So Ayers Rock is a very impressive um, geological structure. It's called an island mountain or Inselberg. It, we use the German term for it, which is essentially, typically you have mountain ranges, right? But this is like where you're looking at flat land and all of a sudden a mountain just pops out. 
the best example of this in North America is Devil's Tower. Um, it's in Wyoming. But if you've never been there, if you've ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, it's that thingy that he makes out of the potatoes. So in Wyoming, they have it's essentially like flatland, and then all of a sudden, this, this thing just pops out. All right. There's a bunch of them in Joshua Tree National Park as well. Okay. Um, so what is it? Well, Uluru is entirely sedimentary rock. If you're not familiar with what sedimentary rock is, sedimentary rock is any rock that forms due to sediment such as sand or silt or mud or coral or anything like that accumulating and then becoming rock. So the sedimentary rock is um, specifically that makes up Uluru is the, oh man, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, the Mutinjula Arcos. Arcos is a type of sandstone. It's a type of sandstone that's rich in, an, in a mineral called felspar, right? And that is the reason why this rock has its red color is because the felspar sandstone gets oxidized and it turns red. So it has a, a very rich red color. Also, it's really well lithified sandstone so it has very few joints and cracks which is one of the reasons why it's so impressive that it's there because everything else is eroded away in the area but you have this monolith that's just sitting there all right and and researchers have done have basically figured out the history of this and it is an old and impressive history so here we go rewind time to 550 million years ago you're wondering what that is that's pre-cambrian or called um what is it neoproterozoic i believe 550 million years ago just to give you an idea there were no trees there were no vertebrates there were no insects uh there were, i don't believe there were actually any plants proper like this is how long ago we're talking right and what happened is 550 million years ago a mountain building event occurred called the pyramid orogeny Okay, which mountain building events are called orogenies. And what happened is you got this uplift of these mountains, right? And in between them, you had a, sal a shallow sea called the Amadeus Basin. Matt? Matt? Thank you. All right. So what happened next is those mountains were made of granite that was high in felspar, and those mountains eroded, and all the sand went down into the Amadeus Basin. Matt? So then what happened is all that sand accumulated in the basin, right? And then eventually lithified into the Arcos, right? And it, re it remained that way for 150 million years and more rocks accumulated on top of it. This isn't super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, don't. <laughs> so then what? <laughs> so 
So then what happened is you had a second orogeny called the Alice Springs orogeny, which squashed this whole thing. So what happened is all the rocks in the Amadeus Basin got squished and folded. You're not going to do it? Ah! Oh! <laughs> So you faked me out. All right. Oh, it's so good. I, it's like, uh, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> so anyway, actually to the science. So what happened is during the Alice Springs orogeny, the, all that stuff got smushed. And when I tell you rocks got smushed, I mean they got folded. So that sandstone, that Arco sandstone, got squashed so much that part of it went from being flat zero degrees all the way to 85 degrees and popped out of the ground and got lifted above sea level. So you took a flat, thick level of rock and the earth's movement was so powerful that it squashed it. So it literally turned almost perpendicular to the center of the earth, which is wild. That's how powerful plate tectonics is. So now you have this layer of Ar Arco sandstone that has now been turned almost perpendicular and is sticking out of the ground. And so what happened is after, where are we? We're like at 400 million years ago. After 400 million years, all the other stuff around it eroded away, but the sandstone remained. So now you have this sandstone monolith sticking out of the ground that is that was deposited 550 million years ago and is standing up in the middle of Australia today. It is absolutely wild. I think it's the coolest thing. All right, I'm done. Just all the and fitting, Dom, and would, fitting too. Dom, would you call Ayers Rock like an orogeny zone? Oh my god! god. Oh. I didn't want it to be me this time, Jay. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sure. I'm, so I'm not a geologist by training, but I'm sure they've made that joke. I've heard a, a fair amount of geology jokes, but yeah, orogeny. It is an orogenous zone. <laughs> and your parties must rock. Uh, and. <laughs> They make the bedrock. <laughs> and by go. coincidence or not coincidence, uh, the Rock Me Amadeus is performed by an Australian band or musician, Whoa. Falco. Edie Falco. Edie Falco. Yeah, it is. Not Edie. Dude, she's <laughs> from, it's Falco. Edie, it's Falco. Edie Falco's from Long Island, okay? <laughs> this she's is, not this is Johan Hans Holzel, who is better known by his stage name, Falco. But that's I know Australian. it is Edie Falco. Great in the Sopranos. Uh, Fantastic final, in the Sopranos. Great as Nurse question. Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a nurse. Final question for you guys. Greatest Australian ever. Is it Brian Trenchard Smith? Yes. Oh, I had a whole list here. Uh, Brian Trenchard Smith. Oh, man. Yahoo Serious. I, I there. Paul Yahoo Hogan. Serious. Yeah, that's... Or Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Uh, it's got to be Yahoo Serious, right? It's, he's up there. He's up there. He's in the conversation. Uh, is that young Einstein? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, any parent. Oh, don't make that. Any noise. parent will tell you. Obviously, the greatest Australian ever is Bandit. Bandit. Dad. He is the dad um, icon ever. 
And you know what? Even if you aren't a parent, you should watch Bluey because it's maybe the greatest children's show with wide appeal ever. Agreed. And they have Australian accents. In yes. That? Yes. Most of the, I, think I, bl- I believe. Have you watched. never watched it? Oh, Jay, you've got it's marvelous. I have no. Children, it is absolutely so marvelous. Jay, when does that stop you from watching a children's show and recommending you should watch this to me? Someone once <laughs> someone once described it as unapologetically Australian, and I mean, like I said, I don't know Australian culture the best, but I can tell you a lot of the slang they use and a lot of. So one of the things I. One of the things that I watched Bluey and they there are these birds called ibis, which are these birds with these very long snouts. Um, and in Australia, they call them uh, what do they call them? They call them like uh, oh, you might have to cut this out because I'm really screwing up. No, nope, keep it's it staying. It's like uh, uh, what do they call them? Like trash? No, it's not. It's like bin chickens. They call them bin chickens. Uh. They call them garbage a bin. Bin chickens, and then I remember someone they like bin chicken, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't heard that term in like ten years. That's awesome. I think there's a whole bin chicken episode, if I remember right. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's also for those of you who aren't parents and might think you have no reason to watch Bluey. Let me just tell you, there are two different episodes that I always recommend. One of them has to do and was banned, but has been brought on. That all has to do with the dad farting, and they I forget what the term they use in the episode is. Fluffy. Fluffy, yes, but they uh, so they have a family meeting about dad's farting. So again, this is an entire episode. There's also an episode that is essentially all about how the parents got really drunk at New Year's Eve and are super hungover the next morning, and they come up with games to try to distract the kids so that they can wallow in their being hungover. And these are, but done in a tasteful, appropriate way as parents and children. Bluey is a fantastic show. So if you get anything out of this. Uh, again, I'm not an expert on Australian culture, but between Ozploitation and Bluey, uh, you know, I am in for Australia. And, of course, oh, my left out, my favorite Australian is Eagles left tackle Jordan Maiata with the yeah, voice cool. of gold he is. Fair to you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, final thoughts on the movie or we want to bring this puppy home? Let's just kill it. We got uh, it. It's Brian Trenchard fucking Smith. Go see it. Watch everything he's ever done. I'm very excited about it. I like it. And that's a wrap. There is no way we could follow that. Check it out. One of us could set ourselves on fire in a control bird. I think that would be awesome. I'm 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 not not going to volunteer to do it, but if somebody else wants to. Dom, we're looking at you. It's pretty much Dom. You're the guy. Yeah. Amadeus, 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 Amade